Good morning. Please turn your Bibles, your, new, your Bibles to the New Testament in the Gospel of John in chapter 1. John chapter 1, we'll start in verse 1. We'll go through a, a couple other chapters in John also. John chapter 20, and we'll start in verse 30 there. We'll, we'll, we'll begin there. We're starting a new series. We started a new series uh, for Lent. Last week we began this series entitled The Season of Preparation. And Lent, Lent is, most people think it's a churchy word. We said this last week, but it's really an old English word meaning spring or springtime. And we're setting apart this period of time before Easter. It's about 40 days. And for Christians, it's a season of intentional spiritual growth, of reflection, of fasting for some, of prayer, of serving the Lord, maybe in, through boxes of blessings or maybe that house build, Mexico house build, or sharing the gospel. But it's an all in preparation to celebrate the most significant day for every Christian all over the globe, which is Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday. And the people of Nova, like uh, the guys announced, um, wrote a daily devotional. Here's a hard copy. Not many left. I think this is one of the few. Who, would, who needs a hard copy and didn't get one? Okay, you can get that at the Information Center afterwards. Um, and we wrote this daily devotional. It began last Wednesday. It can be downloaded and shared. I'm hearing of people sharing it with their coworkers and with their friends and their relatives. And, um, and we're reading through each day, written by people here in the church family. Each week, the devotional has a theme, and each Sunday, we'll introduce the theme in a sermon, and we'll read all about that theme all during the week. And so today, today's theme is creation, and we'll take a look at the create and the creation account, or we'll take a look at the subject of creation through the lens of the first few verses in the Gospel of John. Before we dive into John 1, let's take a look at what John's intention is as he writes this gospel. Take a look at John chapter 20 and in verse 31. So just kind of go to the right a little bit, and you'll see John's intention. He writes this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. And then he writes in verse 31, but these, these words in the gospel that he writes are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It's such a great declaration of John. John's saying, here's what I'm trying to do when I write this gospel. And it's, it's, it's not just John. Because it's scripture, the Holy Spirit is, is, is doing this. And the Holy Spirit is trying to accomplish this for those who read it, in, the, in, in verse 31, he writes, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Take your pen and just underline that or highlight that because that is so key to the Gospel of John, that you may believe in Jesus the, the Messiah. He says, I write these words for that very reason. And that means Jesus is the solution to sin and death. And then he writes this phrase, the Son of God. And, and highlight that, circle it, or draw a box around it. 
Because Jesus is not just a good philosopher or a good teacher. He is the Son of God. And then he writes, And that by believing you may have life in his name. You don't just get life by following his teaching or knowing the stories of the miracles. Rather, Jesus is Messiah, the Son of God. And by believing, and by believing, you'll have life in his name. And this is what John is trying to accomplish in the Gospel of John. Our text today is found in John chapter 1. We'll begin in verse 1 and, and go to verse 5 today. And some say this is the, the most grand of all the scriptures in the Bible. Maybe some of you would take issue with that. Some say this is the most beautiful. These are the most beautiful words of all of the scripture. The most awesome. Scholars say that this was probably lyrics to a song. Maybe the, the, the pinnacle of that worship set every time they gathered was these, these words in John chapter 1. Our text today in verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is God's Word for us today. And we're going to take a look at this text today and, and we're, I'm going to give it a, the general um, the general idea of knowing the heart of God because if you know these verses here you know the heart of God and we'll take it in four movements and the first one is this is asking the question what is God like what is God like I've never been asked this question before in, in all my friendships and all the people that I come in contact with no one has ever asked me what is God like? And, and um, I think people are curious, and, and they want to know. It's almost a childlike question, isn't it? What is God like? How would you answer that question if someone asked you, what is God like? Because people are created with that question sort of burned on their hearts, and they're wanting to answer. They want the answers to that question. And, and we love how John starts this this, this great text in verse 1, in the beginning, he begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, does this sound familiar, those first few words, first three words, in the beginning? Does it sound familiar to you? Yeah? Because that's the creation account. That's how the creation account begins in Genesis chapter 1. Now, how did God create? When we read in Genesis chapter 1, he speaks. He says, let there be light, and there was. And he says, let there be, and, he, and, and all these things are created. It's by his words. And we see that Jesus is an active agent in creation, which is just mind-blowing when you think about that. Who is the expression of God? Jesus is the word. Now, you can see in this text, if, you, if, you go to, if you're at chapter 1 and you just go to chapter 14, John's intention of, of uh, 
uh, you can see that John makes it abundantly clear who the Word is. In verse 14, he says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We understand who the Word is, but if you look at John chapter 1, verse 1, and again, John comes in so strong here, he answers the question, when was Jesus? You look at John chapter 1, verse 1. He was in the beginning. Where was Jesus? He was with God. Who is Jesus? He is God. Have you ever reflected on this? I mean, if we think about this theme of creation in this week, this has got to come through your mind. Have you ever reflected on this? Jesus is co-eternal with the Father. He's always been and he always will be. He put on flesh and dwelt among us, answering the question, in part, what is God like? Now, the doctrine of the Trinity can be daunting. And I know here in John chapter 1, as you read it, there are only words about the Father and the Son, but the Spirit, he's going to show up soon because the Holy Spirit has always been also. Now what we have here is that the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Spirit is God. And this is a hard doctrine for humans to sort of take in in all of its richness and all of its beauty. Our God is triune. It's a beautiful reflection on the reality of God. Now we also know that Mormons and Muslims and Jehovah's Witnesses, this is the dividing line. Christianity goes this way, and all these other religions go this way because they don't believe in the triune God. And when you look throughout Scripture at the word, word, I'll say that again. When you look at the Scripture at the word, word, we find that the word is sent forth by God. We find that the word is there to accomplish God's purposes, and then the word returns back to God. Does that sound familiar to you? Because it should, because the word is describing God. Jesus Christ. It sounds like a lot like, the word sounds a lot like who Jesus is. Now this week, when you open up your devotional, you're going to read all of these six days starting tomorrow about creation. But on Wednesday, presented by an awesome young man here at Nova, who was assigned Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, a very deep passage of scripture and he dove right into that and tried to make sense out of it because it's it's deep and he's learned from nova kids teachers when he was a child grew up through the youth group in middle school and learned from nova kids uh, a, a youth group nova youth group leaders all through the years and he got that scripture that i assigned him and he dove, he dove right into that. Very complex. And he asked all the right questions for us to ponder. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God. The Son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth things that are visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. 
You want to know what God's like? You want to know what God feels? Do you want to know what God's joyful over? You want to know what God's angry about? The answer to that is you just need to look at Jesus. Friedrich Bruner, who's a scholar and a theologian, he writes this, We long to know who God is and what God thinks and what he does. In Jesus, his most personal word, God has spoken to us in the most human way possible, giving us his innermost thoughts and heart and deeds that are as profound as his words. And the believing human race has experienced this deep help ever since. I love that. You know, sometimes I think about me, I reflect on my life, and I wonder what God thinks about me. And sometimes I think that God's disappointed with me. Sometimes I think that God wants me to live up to my potential. Sometimes I think that God's angry with me and that he's really frustrated with me. And you know, there's been times that I've thought that God totally regrets saving me. But if I look at the life and the stories of Jesus, I know it's, there's nothing further than the truth on those stupid thoughts that I think about me. I know what God thinks, and I know how God feels, and I know how he loves when I read the Gospels, especially the Gospel of John. If you read the Gospel of John and you read about Jesus and the woman at the well and you put your place, you put yourself in the place of that woman at the well, you understand this overwhelming love that God has for you. When you read about that Pharisee that under the cover of darkness he goes and visits Jesus because he wants to know how to have eternal life and Jesus talks to him about being born again and he has all of these questions because it blows his mind about what does that mean that I need to go return to my mother's womb? And Jesus loves him. And then I think about the disciples, Jesus' closest friends, and they say to Jesus, Jesus, we know that you have power, but where do we go for life? And as you read about the life of Jesus, you see and you begin to understand and know what's God like? I understand the heart of God. The second movement we can make in the scripture is this. We were created by and for Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, through, him's, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made. It's a great statement. John's going to repeat this over and over and over again throughout the entire gospel. Who created everything? The Word. Who's the Word? Jesus. Where is Jesus? In the beginning, with God. And I love the clarity of this verse. You, you've you've got you've to look at the clarity that this verse comes at you, because it, it comes right at you with this clarity. And when anytime you want to make something clear, you've got to state it in the positive, and then you've got to state it in the negative. So it's crystal clear in your mind, and that's what this verse does right here in verse 3. The positive idea here is, through him... All things were made. And if you have your Bibles, draw a plus like a positive with a circle around it right next to that. Because he's making this positive statement. Through him, all things were made. And then, J 
just to be clear, he makes his negative statement. So take your pen and put a minus sign there and draw like a negative. And so he's saying, through him all things were made. I made all these things. But without him, nothing was made that has been made. It's so super crystal clear here, right in front of our face. And Jesus is not just this good moral teacher and philosopher. Through him all things were made. There's nothing around that hasn't been made by Jesus. I was talking to a, a good friend of mine, and we were just in the Riviera, and we were having lunch, and we were talking, and just spiritual things started to come up, and then he says to me these words. He says, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm into Jesus. He says he was an incredible, incredible teacher. And now, I, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, I know my friend did not get that from the Bible. Jesus never says in the Bible that he's a good teacher, that he's like this incredible teacher. And so I asked him, did you read the scriptures, the Bible, about who Jesus claims to be? And he kind of wanted to say yes, but he said, ah, no, not all of them. Because I said, according to the Bible, according to the scriptures, Jesus' teachings, he claims to be God in the flesh. And then he shot back right away. It surprised me. He said, and they killed him, right? And I said, yeah, because he claimed to be God. And then the conversation just kind of ended right there. God just said, that's enough there. We'll take that up another time. But that's enough right there. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, by him, and for him. Now get this. All things have been created by him and for him. You and I were created by Jesus, by him, and for Jesus. And this is the reason that we can find life in his name. This is what you were created for. And if it's true, and it's true, I was created by and for Jesus. And it makes sense, it makes total sense to me that my work and my ministry can't, it'll never satisfy me completely. Because I have not been made by my work and for my work. I've been made by Jesus and for Jesus. I, I think you remember that um, well-known line from that movie, um, the, the line where there's a guy and a, and a girl, and I, I think they're in an elevator or something, and he says to her in sign language, you know what I'm talking about? You complete me. You know, it's a real loving moment. It's an it's a incredible moment in this movie. And my wife, Janet, as wonderful and as patient as she is, has to be with me well she didn't have to be but anyway she is my wife Janet as wonderful and as patient as she is with me does not complete me because I have not been made by her and I'm not here for her my kids is great and as fun and as smart and as is just it's, it's, they're, they're just great to be around, adults now, but just great to be around, they will never ultimately satisfy me 
because I have not been made by them and for them. And my, by, I've, I've not been made by money and for money or success and for success. I've been created by Jesus and for Jesus. And my life is found in him and him alone. And that's what we see in this text. You might be thinking, you know, in, in my life, I can't wait. I can't wait till, and then you could fill in the blank. I can't wait to graduate from high school. I can't wait to go to college. I can't, I, I can't wait to graduate from college, get my first job. I can't wait to move out of my parents' house. Oh, man, I can't wait for that. I can't wait to get my own car. I can't wait to get in a relationship. I can't wait to get married. I can't, wa- I can't wait to start a family. I can't wait to buy a house. And when you get what you've been waiting for, I mean, you know, you get in a relationship, and it's great. It's so awesome. And there's a moment of praise there, isn't there? You get your first car, and you, try, you drive it, and you go to the dealer, put a big bow on it, and you're like, oh, I got my first car, and I'm driving it around and trying to be careful, parking real far away, you know, all that stuff. And there's a moment of praise there. You get your first job, and you feel really good. You graduate, and they, you get lays on, and you get a little tassel over here, and you're wearing a big gown, and have a party, and all that sort of a thing. There's a moment of praise there. I'm not taking anybody's moment of praise when you say, I can't wait for something. You look forward, and you're working towards it, and, and, and you get it. Not taking anyone's moment of praise away. But we've all felt that. And you know it's momentary. Why is it just momentary? Because you were not made for these moments in your life. You were created by Jesus and for Jesus. And life is found in Him and Him alone. And that is why some people, I mean, I see it in some of you people. That is why some people, you go through some of the most horrific things in your life. You read in the Bible about these guys that all these things happen to them. And they still, you still praise God. You've suffered incredible loss. Even at the hand of others. And you still say, praise God. Why, why can't you do that? C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy. The most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. We were created for another world. So in this text, How do we know the heart of God? We ask the question, what's God like? And John answers. Second movement is, we are created by and for Jesus. Number three, the third movement is, Jesus has an invitation for us. In verse four in John chapter one, it says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Remember John's purpose in writing this gospel? Remember Chapter 20, verse 31, he says, But these, these words in the gospel are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. Why? It's because you've been made by him and you've been made for him. And we have this invitation to come into life. The picture of Jesus in the Bible It's not this uptight, kind of furrowed brow, angry, frustrated, impatient Jesus. 
but we read through the Gospels and we see the warm and forgiving and welcoming Savior that loved to hang out with those who were unchurched or de-churched. In two parallel passages in Luke and in Matthew, you, you read that Jesus was called friend of sinners. And he's accused of being a drunkard and a glutton by hanging out with all these people. Can you imagine if social media was around during the time of Christ? He would get slaughtered out there. People taking pictures of him, hanging out at the brew pub, at so-and-so's house, you know, tax collectors, dinner, and you know, all that sort of a thing. He'd be slaughtered. The beating he would take from Pharisees and legalists and hypocrites. But this is Jesus' invitation. Friedrich Bruner goes on to say, he says, come in union with the word who made you and you will come to life. You came from him. Please come back to him. You were made for him. The result of this union will be more than human existence. It will be life. Fourth movement in our text today is Jesus is our victory. Jesus is our victory. In verse 5, in John chapter 1, he says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Up until now, in our text, you'll notice if you read verses 1 through 4, and I encourage you to just kind of peruse that right now with your eyes, all the verbs are past or past continuing. You know, you look at all the wases and the words in there, and you might want to like make a note, oh, there's another was, oh, there's another were, and they're all sort of in the past or past continuing. And now in verse 5, in your text in verse 5, we have this present continuing action of a word, shines. Look at that word, shines. Meaning, in the darkness, meaning the darkness has been defeated once for all. Take a look at this. Circle the S at the end of the word shines in your text. Go ahead and do that. Circle the word S in the word shines at the end. And that gives us this present and continuing action. When everything else before that was wases and words. You see it? It's, this is so significant here. You can also write the word on as in shines on there. And so you could read this, maybe even a better way to, to read this would be, the light shines on still even now in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The reality of this is the light of the world made flesh. The one who is in the beginning with God and who is God in the flesh, his victory over darkness as seen most fully in his, cre in his crucifixion and three days later resurrection, is continuing to shine on. You see, everything else was in the past, but now, because of that, he continues to shine on. And as glorious as the reality of the light of the world shining in the darkness is, we all know the reality of sin. We all know it. We, we sort of live it every day. The reality of this power of sin and darkness. The sin, sin fractured the universe. And what we're seeing in Ukraine right now is the result of the conflict, conflict of the nations caused by sin. 
And we tend to think of sin as like bad deeds. Sin is more complex than bad deeds. Sin is complex and deeper than bad choices that humans make. The power of sin and death raided Jesus. He's assaulted and he's whipped. He's stripped naked and he's beaten and he's spat upon. There's all kinds of this violence of the worst form enacted on Jesus. He's dehumanized. He's laughed at. He's mocked. He was betrayed and abandoned by his closest friends. And the word is tortured and eventually killed. And you know what happens? The world turns dark. The sun goes away. And the world turns dark. And then Sunday happens. The resurrection. The power of sin. The power of Satan is defeated. And the light shines on, still even now, in the darkness. That's what we read here. And John wants us to know that that light is an ongoing, continuous action in your life. You know, we all come from different places today. I, I guess I want to ask, has Jesus, have, has Jesus taken a back seat in your life? Maybe it's a trauma or a tragedy or a loss of a loved one, a hurt. And your conclusion as a result of those things is that God cannot be good or trusted because of what has happened to me. Or maybe today you're just tired and you're worn out, which leads to depression and anxiety and other things. Or maybe you're just apathetic or angry, or you just feel stuck, and you're not sure why, or maybe you know exactly why, but you just can't break it. This is Jesus' invitation to you. Come in union with the Word who made you, and you will come to life. You came from Him, Please come back to him. You were made for him. And the result of this reunion will be more than human existence. It will be life. Amen.